What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode. And before we start this episode, I want to encourage all our listeners to please subscribe and rate our channel. We definitely appreciate that. Also, feel free to give us feedback. Like I said, all three of those things, we definitely appreciate it. I just want to start the show off and letting you guys know. And um, here's another episode. I hope you all enjoy it. On the way to the top floor. I ain't selling out though, but I'm on the way. Got a lot of rumors to motivate. Hold all the moves, I'm a play play. On the way. On the way, on the way to the big check. You ain't know I'm up next, but I'm on the way. You ain't take risks cause you too afraid. I'ma just eat till I'm overweight. On the way, on the way. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Million Mindsets Podcast. I'm your host, Xavier Millison, with my co-host, Deanna Kent. Hey, everybody. And today, this is going to be a super, super uh, dope episode. I know that I say that all the time. This is super going to be a, a valuable episode. We got some dope. We all in the same location today, so it's it's very interesting. And we got, we got first of all, we got my little brother here. Y'all might know him. He, he on the intro of the podcast. He got the On The Way song. Oh, I forgot it's, about that. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, him. He, the intro people love the intro. People love the intro. What's good? What's good, everybody? <laughs> And, and second, we I'm got a fan for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, love love the it, intro. Thank you, <laughs> and we got my guy. Uh, we met. What was it like two months ago? How long ago? Yeah, was two, two months, months ago. About yeah, we met. We met in LA like in two person, months. In person, finally. Yeah, yeah, yep. And now we got him in person again, but this time for the podcast. And it's my guy Don, aka God of Commerce. And he's here as well. He's dropping yes, some sir. on us. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Love to be on the show. Thanks for the opportunity. You know, love always meeting you in person. Yeah, you know, yeah. last time was great. Yeah, we talked it up for a good for a good while. Talking talking good stuff. And uh, the for the first the first question I always ask just just for the uh, people who don't know where like just to say like uh, what do you do? Because like, I know what you do, but for the people who don't know. Yeah, so I mean, you know, my Twitter handle, God of Commerce, uh, pretty much everything that has to deal with commerce. Uh, my, a lot of times people know me as the logistics trucking person, but I pretty much deal with everything that has to do with commerce, uh, business-wise, uh, understanding what it takes to do business, what it takes to be official in the business. I have grown up doing illegal business, legal business, underground commerce, overground commerce, and that's what I do. You know, it's everything that has to do with commerce. I'm your guy. Mm-hmm. That's dope. And, and what? And how did you get started, like, within the trucking and all the commerce industry? So, basically, my I grew up in Mexico, you know, when I was, since I can remember, um, my family has always been in commerce, selling things uh, just to survive, you know, to stay alive, to survive. It's always about, in my family, that's the mentality. It's like, what do you have to do to earn your keep, to prove your worth, to actually make money? So my, my family is very not money-oriented, but we're survival-oriented. So everything that has to do with that, it pretty much stems from being super poor, you know, mm. growing up at the bottom of the totem pole, what do you have to do just to stay alive? And that teaches you the relationships between people. Why would people hand you over some money? And we know that you need money to survive. So that's been my mentality. At the same time, um, I've had an uncle 
who taught me everything that I know about logistics. Um, I would see shipments of fine wood coming from Canada, coming from different parts of America, you know, the continent of America, coming to his warehouse, and he would send it out. To me, that's always been fascinating. How does things move? How does business get done? Mm -hmm. And what it takes to make that handshake and sign the sign the deal, sign on the dotted line. That's crazy. And so, like, a question I wanted to ask you was because you know, getting into the trucking industry, it's like a lot of it's like a lot of speculation around it now. A lot of people want to get involved, and a lot of people I feel like they think it's something. I don't want to say easy, but they think it's something where like they can get in, they ain't got to do a lot of work, and then like, boom, steady passive, steady passive income like that. What's your? We we talked about it several times, so I want right. to get it so the people could hear it. What is your uh, thoughts on that? Yeah, so to me, you know, if uh, anything that you're doing in the world of business, if you're thinking that it's easy money and it's passive, it's not. You know, unless you're purely a an investor, somebody that has a lot of money and you're speculating just on if things go right or wrong, then that might be passive. But there's always a chance that things could go wrong. So in the trucking business specifically, I can't see any situation where you would just say, I'm going to put my money up and then I'm going to sit back and collect the money. There's no way because there's so many moving parts. There's so many things that can go wrong. Um, and I get to deal with that every single day. So when somebody tells me that this is a passive income industry, I just, you know, I can't help but laugh at that because it's not. There's, you know, you got to deal with the personnel. You got to deal with the equipment. You got to deal with the clients. You got to deal with people actually paying uh, the money for the contracts that you get engaged in. And so many things can go wrong in any of those processes that, you know, you're you can't help but just think that whoever is thinking that this is a passive industry is completely wrong. It's completely out of their mind. Now, I will say, let's say you invest your money into a stock, right, of one of these major trucking companies, major logistics companies like Maersk, right, is the biggest shipping company in the world. Well, if you're investing your money into the stock of Maersk, then maybe you can make money in a passive way. But other than that, you got to be involved in the everyday operations and you got to know where you're putting your money up. So I don't think this is a passive industry at all. And anybody who's selling that pipe dream, basically, I think it's wrong. And I don't think that um, there's I can't see any situation where you can be completely off hands and trust that that other next person is handling your money the right way and is making the right decisions in order to bring you back those returns that you're asking for so and especially for me i'm a type of person i like to work you know right. i love to work i love what i do so it doesn't mean that everybody else does but i don't think that you should have this mentality where you're just sitting back collecting money and thinking that you know it's just passive and you're not gonna have to do anything because to me that shows that your mind is not also in the right place if you're just expecting to make money for nothing, then to me, that's a sign of weakness. And I always feel like you should always be productive, you should always be creative, and you should always be willing to add value to the world. So to me, you know, again, that's a sign that if somebody is telling you that you're making money for nothing, then you should really evaluate what they're telling you and 
what are the risks involved, but there's nothing passive in the world about making money. <laughs> so um, I know you have multiple trucks, but with that first truck that you ever bought, what was that experience <coughs> like, and what were the biggest lessons learned for you from that experience? So the biggest lesson to learn from starting off from one truck, and I've had to start over several times, you know, I, I will say that it's not an easy business to be involved in because not only do you have to have the truck, but you have to have the right people in place to actually drive the truck. I myself, I'm not a driver. I don't go over the road and that's never been my passion. But at the same time, what I can tell everybody out there listening is that if you are looking to get into the logistics industry or the trucking business and specifically um, that you treat yourself as a business and not as a regular person, right? I get to see every single day people that fail in the business because they think that just buying the truck is enough and it definitely is not. You got to think of yourself as a business and the longevity of the business um, and you have to pretty much um, treat yourself that way so that you are always safeguarded from all the things that can go wrong. One of the main things is if you treat yourself as a business, then you get treated a lot different when you go into that dealership and you try to get your first truck. Um, it's a lot different when you go in with your personal business credit than when you go in as a business with business credit and establish history um, you know, because it doesn't take much to go out and pull a truck from the dealership. Mm. What it, what um, you want to do is think of yourself as an enterprise. How is this going to help me make more money? It's not enough to just go out and pull out the truck, pull out the trailer. It's about having a game plan of what you want to transport, what kind of business you want to be involved in, and um, I think that really helps, you know, to, to establish yourself as a business entity rather than just somebody who has a truck. Mm, yeah, I, I like that. And for the people who don't know, when they might hear this, they'd be like, all right, so like, what's the big deal for the trucking industry? Like, like what's, 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 what's the importance behind it? Explain, like, why the trucking industry is so important. So basically everything moves in trucks, you know, whether it's water, clothing, construction materials, every single thing that you see in the world around you moves in trucks, you know, even the, again, the construction materials, uh, the communications materials that it takes for us to survive and to, to uh, live in the modern world, everything has to come in trucks. I mean, all you got to do is just like go out on the highway and once you start really paying attention, you mm -hmm. start to see everything comes in trucks. I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's food, whether it's um, clothing, whether it's construction materials, whether it's the chemicals that get transported every day, raw materials, every single thing comes in trucks. And... Um, I mean, the significance behind that is that, you know, we in the United States have this whole um, interstate highway system, which was built specifically to give us a, a competitive advantage over other countries. I mean, I, you know, if you go to other countries, you'll see they don't have the same highway system. 
So it's not as easy to move things from point A to point B. And um, that definitely gives the United States a competitive advantage. So when I first came to this country, I noticed that right away that, you know, everything was much easier. I come from a place where the streets are not paved and um, there aren't highways to take you to all the important locations. So um, when you realize that and you you see that the United States has definitely made a huge bet into connecting all the important places through this highway system, then you start to, um, to realize how important it is for these things to move and you realize that it's a business that's built for longevity. As long as, um, as we can you know, imagine into the foreseeable future, everything is going to move this way because you can't move things in trains as easily or airplanes. So what are you going to do? You're going to move them in trucks. Yeah, yeah that's facts. That's, that's deep. I never, I never really uh, looked at it from that way. And from, like a lot of people that I talk to about trucks, they all say the most important thing is finding a good driver. But I also hear there's a shortage on drivers. Yeah, there's definitely a shortage of drivers, and that's one of the biggest things that we struggle with because, you know, um, growing up in our day and age, you have these, like, legacy industries like farming and trucking um, are the ones that come to mind where, you know, you start to realize that it's not looked at as something that's cool or that's hip, right? So... um, these are what are called legacy industries and unfortunately our generation doesn't really value that as much you know hard work and showing up on time and having that work ethic to keep these industries going so we do have a shortage of uh, drivers it's not due to the lack of, of people willing to work but it's due to the lack of um, these industries really promoting themselves as a cornerstone of society, right? Just like uh, farming, if there isn't food, then how are we supposed to survive? Right. Same thing with trucking. It's like, well, if there aren't new new drivers, new blood being injected into the industry, how are things supposed to move? Right. And we don't see the, these things. Unfortunately, I feel like, you know, the newer generations look at things as like, how can I get rich quick versus what makes sense? What is actually working and what is the underpinnings of our society? How do these things really happen, right? Besides the fact that they're profitable, um, we just have to see them as necessary. And, you know, like the way that I think about it is why there's a driver shortage is that this is not promoted as a cool career or something that's cutting edge because it is a legacy industry. So these things are not looked at as, you know, just the same way that you don't have many people jumping to the opportunity of being plumbers, of being carpenters, but these are absolutely necessary in our society. So I feel like that's part of the problem is that people think of, how can we get rich quick or what's the cool cutting edge thing to do versus what's necessary? What are the things that are holding our society together? Yeah. I heard, like my oldest brother, I was with him and he know a guy in Florida who is in the trucking business. And he was talk, talking about basically like a lot of times it's just getting a good driver. Like it's kind of simple getting a driver, but he was saying sometimes the driver is kind of 
mess things up, maybe always right. late, right. which is not handling it correctly. So exactly, and that's another big part of it. It's like it doesn't, you know, anybody can go out there and get a driver's license. And as I was CDL, saying before, I know a lot of people that got like CDL. you know, anybody can go out there and pull a truck out of the dealership. It doesn't take much, but this is a, a business that is high responsibility, high risk. Right. You know, I mean, when you're driving a fully loaded truck, it's 80,000 pounds driving down the highway. So you can imagine what kind of responsibility that is. So, yes, definitely um, there's... A lot of people that are willing to work, but it's about finding those right situations to where your business is going to have longevity, that you can trust that things are getting taken care of. And not only that, but that you can trust that person to go out on the highway, represent you, represent themselves, and, you know, carry out the business in the best possible way. Uh, so question. I know I read an article that said that um, truck drivers are actually going to be replaced with self-driving trucks. What do you think that looks like for the trucking industry, if that is, to come into play where it's like, all right, let's just cut them out and let the trucks do their thing? So, you know, that is uh, definitely a complex question because I think that ultimately that will be the future of transportation to where you don't have to have the same types of risks involved. But I think we're a long ways from that. Right now, you even see, um, you know, all the self-driving cars, even with like Tesla, they have a lot of problems with mm -hmm. the software. So all that has to be perfect, right? Especially if you're trusting these vehicles that are self-driving to be on the same highways as people. The human element is something that you can't account for. Yeah. You can't put that into an algorithm, yeah. right? Like if you've ever driven a truck, you know, people cut you off and people are on the road doing their makeup, you know, eating their breakfast or doing whatever they do, everything but mining the, the road. So how can you put that into an algorithm? How can you program a vehicle to account for all those things? Right. You can't. Right now, we just, the technology is not there yet. That doesn't mean that it's not going to be there, right. but I think for the foreseeable future, for the next at least 20 years, what I think is um, we're still going to have to have that human element that steps in and is the last safeguard. Because, I mean, you see this happening all the time with self-driving yeah, vehicles. Yeah, I mean, it, it goes haywire, and if that system is not perfect, or at least very close to being perfect, I don't think that we're going to be able to see that, you know, at, at the federal level and especially at the commercial level being widely adopted. So it's a very serious concern. A lot of people are, you know, thinking about those things like, am I going to be phased out of business? Am I going to lose my job to a robot? Yeah. But right now we can, we can safely say that the human element is always there. Especially one of the things that um, I see is that there's all these systems that are connected um, in a very kind of crude and raw way right now where people are still having to be the go-between. You know, it's like if you Xavier, you have something to move, you have to call me as a person so we can make the deal, come to an agreement as far as how much it's going to cost, what it's going to actually take when my driver is going to be there and all those things are just not there yet. So 
as the technology improves. I can totally see that happening in the future, and ultimately that's the most efficient way to do business, mm -hmm. to eliminate the human error and the human element out of it, but right now we're just not there yet. Mm. And let's, let's talk about this, because we didn't go over this yet. For the people that's listening, how many, right now, how many trucks do you have? Right now I have six trucks. Okay. You know, so right now I own and operate six trucks, and I also um, I also work with owner operators who have their own authority, their own insurance. They're ready to go, but they're just not um, well seasoned in the logistics industry to where they can have their own clients. Um, I feel like right now one of the main things about being an owner of a truck is that you always have to keep those wheels moving. Mm -hmm. If that truck is not moving, then you're not making money. And once you take on those kind of commitments, you got to make the payments, you know, for the insurance, the financing of the equipment. Even if you own the equipment outright, you want it to produce, right? You want it to make money. So if you don't have a good sense of how the industry overall looks, then you're constantly having to sort of be in a desperate state of mind. And so I work with a lot of people that just trust me to be able to move their equipment, to be able to handle all the management side of it so they can focus solely on driving. Mm, that's, that's dope, man. And, like, I, wanted to, I want this interview, I want us to go over the good and the bad. Because I don't want people to feel like, oh, man, I'm going to get into this and just make a killing doing nothing real quick like that. But at the same time, you could make a really good living for yourself if you set it up right. So if you don't mind, like, like going over what could be the potential bad parts of the, the industry. So, I mean, the, the bad parts of it is, again, you always rely on um, other factors like how well the economy is doing, you know, what sort of things are moving. Another bad part of it or unpredictable part of it is like the human element because humans are prone to make errors, right? It doesn't matter if you got the best possible driver. Mm -hmm. Something can happen where it's unpredictable. They hit a spot of black eyes, they hit a puddle and the whole thing, you know, turns bad. One of the main things is like the responsibility of it. If you're driving 80,000 pounds, driving down the highway, and it's a blizzard and you can't see in front of you, you hit something and you're bound to cause fatalities. So all these things are, are things that keep me up at night. And that's why I tell you, like, it's not a passive industry at all because all these things could go wrong. Now, another thing is like the government, right? The government has these rules and regulations. A lot of times they don't even know what they're actually mandating and they put these arbitrary rules in place which says like you can only drive 10 hours a day, you can only have a 14 hour shift. And you know, us as industry executives, we think of all these things and we, we, um, we accept the rules that are set in place because we have to go by them, we, there's no way around them. But at the same time, we understand, like, sometimes the people that are making the rules have no clue of how the business works, how it operates. Now, some of the good parts about it, I'll go into that. It's, again, like, this is a necessary industry. Logistics is never going to go away, whether it's handled by humans or by robots. Things need to move from one place to another. So that's what we're betting on, is that things will never stop moving, no matter if you're in a 
good economy or in a recession, things are always having to move. And so based off of that, that's what we're betting on. You know, it's just definitely a lot of money to be made, but it's a huge responsibility when you're, you know, um, when your job and your operations affect the public. Mm. You know, so that's yeah. pretty much... And so, so another thing I wanted to ask you, or this could, I guess, be a statement or whatever. When we was talking, I think this was a week ago, we was talking, and you were saying how you uh, got afraid. We pretty much did a deal where you take ramen noodles to the prisons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, was, that was crazy to that me. Was going on? <laughs> yeah, so we have an account which, um, you know, sometimes you fall into these, like, moral dilemmas, which is, like, do you want to move something for a you know something that you may or may not believe in, so one of the one of the customers that we have um, moves ramen noodles um, out of here, out of Southern California, and they ship them out throughout the whole country to prisons. People and like I personally there. don't believe in the you know um, prison industrial complex. That's you know right. something that I'm very much against. But at the same time. It's either myself or somebody else that's going to take on those contracts, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, and, you know, because one thing about prisons, it's like it's a currency, you know. Ramen noodles are like a, something that is constantly being consumed. Yeah. It's real important. So, <laughs> like I said, you know, I personally don't feel all the time the greatest about taking on that contract. But I know that it's either myself or another logistics or another trucking company that's going to step in and say, we're going to move those things. Yeah. So yeah. Now, one thing too about um, trucking and logistics is that you get to realize how are things moving and where they move from and, you know, where they're going. So whether it's construction materials, you know, like to me, it trips me out that a lot of the Christmas trees, when it's Christmas season, they come from the Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. and then they go all throughout the country. You know, like, let's say, you know, I don't believe in Christmas, but those things still yeah. got to move. <laughs> yeah. And so it's that's the kind of, like, sometimes moral dilemmas that come into play. But again, it's always thinking about business first and not so much as, like, your personal beliefs mm-hmm. always... Um, and, you know, those are the kind of questions that come up, <laughs> uh, which I'm always, like, trying to figure out, like, if it's right or wrong, moral or immoral. But at the end of the day, business is getting done. Things are moving. And so, you know, it's got to move. Gotta if it's got to move, it's got to move. Yeah. You was going to say that? So going back to, like, getting into the industry for someone who's new, two things. How much would you say they should have saved up or just you know in the bank for startup costs and what are the key things they should be researching for getting started okay so basically to me um and i tell this all the time to people that approach me about this question is um set yourself up as a business entity first so that is of utmost importance before you can actually think of like how much does a person need well you actually don't need that much to go. I mean, you go to the dealerships and it says, no money down, no job, no credit, no ID. Who cares? Just take the truck, right? You take on this risky loan. But for somebody that wants to actually do this for the longevity and that wants to have staying power, they should think of themselves as a business entity. So to me, that's the most important part. It's like, 
you know, even if you have like, let's say $10,000, to me, that's enough as long as you've thought about um, taking on these responsibilities as a business entity to where it doesn't affect your personal credit and to where that doesn't even come into question. Um, that to me is like, you know, pretty much the main, the main um, differentiator between people that are in it for the long run versus people that are just going to, you know, be able to pull out the truck and then they go bust because you don't want, I mean, this business, as I said, it's very high risk. So if you, something goes wrong, God forbid, they're coming against your personal assets. So you got to have some level of protection before you can actually think of being in the business, learn about corporations, learn what kind of corporate structure you want to have so that you have maximum protection to me that's the main thing because even if you know you have little to no startup capital you can always set yourself up as a corporation and build value in your corporation so you can get investors right. you can get other people's money to be able to um, start in the business and also get the equipment I mean I tell everybody it's like with the leverage that you can build as a business you can get a hundred times purchasing power um, versus you're going as, you know, yourself. as yourself. Yeah. If you're going as yourself, then all that falls to your personal um, assets, to your personal um, income, and everything is like, you know, based off of that. So you just uh, want to think of yourself as a corporate entity and just learn the values and the benefits of becoming a corporation and being in this business as a corporation so you can see eye to eye with the other corporations that are hiring you to do the work versus just going in there as an individual. Like, you know, and that's something that's very real because, you know, let's say you're a driver, you've been driving for 10 years, 20 years, you finally saved up enough to get your own truck, you have one accident and everything is is done. Oh man, bro. You know, so. I know, I met this guy, Recently, about a month ago, he's an older guy, maybe like 60 years old, and he was telling me about how he was in the trucking business. Long story short, he just lost everything off one accident. I think he was driving the truck, and I guess, like, he said he wasn't responsible. Another lady cut him off, something else, but basically, he, somebody ended up dying. And that's... And the whole company, he told me, like, he sounded legit, like, he sounded sincere with everything he was saying, like, he had... A nice business status, but he was making like, generating like a million a year, and he said lost everything. Like one bad accident, whole business tore apart. The whole that's, business so goes down the drain, so right? Like, so many oh, lawsuits, yeah. so many things that you got to think about, and that's why, like again, yeah. going back to the point, this is not a passive business. <laughs> so all kinds of things can go wrong, whether yeah. it's human error, you know, one little thing that you wouldn't even imagine goes wrong in the truck at the end of the day this is all like moving parts right it's all moving parts and you can't account for every single thing so things are going to go wrong but the more you can separate your business from your personal um, belongings and your person itself then you know you can at least start over Mm-hmm. At least keep going or, you know, you have protections. But as a person, it's very tough. As a corporation, you can actually, you know, yeah. keep going. And let's talk about the difference between corporations versus DBAs within that. So, you know, as far as like, again, like a DBA. So I, 
you know, live here in Los Angeles and I get to deal with a lot of people that it's the same scenario. They've been driving for a few years for a company and now they want to, you know, take the risk and make their own company. And a DBA is definitely, you know, a little bit cheaper than starting right. a corporation, but the benefits that between and the differences between the two Big are are huge yeah. because you know especially like I I don't know too much about the difference between like an LLC versus a C corp or an S corporation it depends on your how you want to be taxed but that limited liability it's huge versus your personal liability right. if you have a DBA it means that you the person is doing business as this other corp uh, this other company that you've started now, if something goes wrong, they're coming after you, the person, as a DBA, versus if you have a corporation, it gives you some level of separation so that you're not personally affected all the time um, if something goes wrong. And that, to me, is like something that um, I've learned the hard way because all kinds of things will go wrong. This is a, a business where, you know, just things go wrong all the time. Whether you plan for it or not, something is going to go wrong. So if um, you make that separation, not only does it benefit you in the long run because you establish corporate credit versus personal credit, but at the end of the day, you don't want something that goes wrong in the business, which is very high-risk business, to be to end you personally. I mean, I've also seen that uh, many times is that people lose everything, their house, their personal assets, everything, because, exactly. because they didn't make that separation. So that's definitely something that, to keep in mind, you know? That's crazy. And so, like, you personally, what do you look for in a driver? When, you, when you're trying to find a new driver, what are, what are you looking for? So that's also something that is not always, you know, on paper. Things mm-hmm. can look good, but yeah. I always try to have different safeguards for myself and everything that I've already built in order to really accept somebody to come and work for us. To me, um, if somebody is responsible, um, if somebody understands the business, understands what level of responsibility they have, um, that to me is like some of the things that I look for because when you're driving and you're behind the wheel, there's so many things that you gotta that you gotta think about. Not only yourself, but also like again, people make mistakes, human right. error. Even like now, when I'm in a car driving myself personally, I see all these people like they're putting on their makeup, right? They're <laughs> like not paying attention. They're taking selfies. And I think, well, shit, if I was in a in a big rig, you know, carrying thousands and thousands of pounds, yeah. I would crush these people if they made a mistake. Especially since so you, driving, that's kind of like a real monotonous job. On right. that level, just driving so many hours straight. Yeah, and especially if you're driving down a highway <laughs> that's, you know, um, that's just completely empty. A lot of it is just like you zone out, right? Yeah, yeah. And it happens. So somebody that understands what they're getting themselves into and the level of responsibility that it takes. Um, so that's why a lot of times I like to choose uh, veterans, you know, people that have been in the military. 
because one of the things that I also look for, and I've talked to you about mm -hmm. this in the past, is like, are you going to complete the job? Are you going to finish the mission? Mm -hmm. Whatever the mission might be in front of you, do you have what it takes to put up with it until you complete the job, at the very least? And I've, you know, I've already gone through the whole uh, range of drivers that, that um, they'll leave your truck abandoned over there, somewhere in the middle of nowhere, and now you as the business owner is like, how do I get this truck back to the home base? How do I go and retrieve the merchandise, the cargo? So it's just people that understand the responsibility that, that this job entails, that it carries with it. That's what I look most, um, you know, uh, in potential drivers or anybody that wants to work with me is to know what they're getting themselves into. Mm. See, I like that. And I, I like that because I like people to understand that this is not something sweet where you're going to come into, have no problems, put some money into it, and you're just going to make a bolo, a hand over fist, like, overnight. So I like people to understand that it's, it's pros and cons that come to this, and that's on you if you're willing to accept. Exactly, because, I mean, even if you invest money into a company or let's say, you know, you put together money with other people to buy a truck, well, guess what? Right. If something goes wrong, let's say your driver, you know, you don't want it to happen, but let's say they kill somebody and your insurance is not going to cover it, they're coming after you. After you as the investor, after you as the business owner, they're coming after you. You can believe that. And there's no way out of it. If it's your responsibility, if it was your negligence, or if it's your mistakes, then your insurance is going to try as much as possible not to cover you. Hmm. And so when it comes to that, then you understand, like, it's not an easy business. It's not just put money up, and then I can step away and just make money hands over fist. Hmm. It's always something that can go wrong, and you always got to account for that. So those are the kinds of things that me personally, I'm not going to say it keeps me up at night every day, but I always think about these things. If something goes wrong, God forbid, then I already know that I got to deal with the consequences. Mm -hmm. So I think it's very naive to think that you're just going to put money up and then you're just going to kick back and then just be collecting the revenue, collecting mm -hmm. some of the profits um, and not have to deal with any of the problems because... I'm here to tell you there's so many things that can go wrong, so yeah. many problems, right? The human error, the machinery itself can fail. Um, somebody else can, you know, um, just fuck up your whole day, and it's just like you can't account for that. You hope that it never happens, but you got to be prepared for it to happen as well. So, Yeah, yeah. And something else I want to talk about, because I know that people that's going to hear this episode, I know this... They probably really, really, really want to hear stuff like this, what I'm about to ask. So this is going to the good side. So let's say on a good week or a good month, how much income can someone bring in if they got their trucks on the road? Okay, so that's also something yeah. that, you know, people ask people me ask all the time, time yeah. right? It's because they want to know what the returns are going to be. Yep. So... All that is very hard to even answer in a straight up way because again, you need drivers, right? Yep. The equipment has to be kept in good shape in order for it to go on, on these trips, but it all breaks down to what commodities you're hauling. So some commodities are cheap to haul, like for example, bottled water doesn't pay you the same as if you're hauling US mail. 
So all that really breaks down to what contracts you can get, what kind of customers, the level of um, the level of value of the commodities that you're hauling. High value commodities, you have to account for way more things than low value commodities. So, but if we were to say, you know, dollars per mile, that's what it all breaks down to. So it's like, I'll put it to you this way. How much money can you make for a truck in a week? It all depends on what level of clientele you're willing to go out and get, mm. right? It's all has to do, like for example, brand new cars, hauling them across the country is gonna bring you different revenue than if you're hauling cement. Cement is something that, you know, as long as you take it from point A to point B, very few things can go wrong. Versus brand new cars, Get damaged. Get damaged, you know, and all things can go wrong. So there's no easy answer to that. There's not like a set number that I can give you. I would be lying. And anybody that tells you that they yeah. know with certainty how much a truck can bring can is lying you, to you. To, uh, honestly, to give people something I think they want. All right, so basically for you personally, if you mind going to your best months, how much did they bring in? So The most profitable month. So, you know, right now I have an account which I can base, like, my own experience off of is um, they travel from California to Florida every single week, right? And I drive it as a team. Um, As far as revenue, that truck itself brings in over $10,000 revenue. But in this business, it's not about how much you make. It's about how much you keep, It's not about how much you're making. It's about how much of that revenue you actually keep in your pocket. Not even in your pocket, but as profit for the company, right? right? Because, I mean, there's all things that factor in. It's insurances, how much you got to pay the drivers. Maintenance is another big part that people don't even Mm -hmm. account for. You know, every Mm -hmm. 12 to 15,000 miles, you got to do an oil change that costs you up to $500, so those kind of things is why, you know, when people ask me, how much money can you make for one truck? <laughs> it already dollars. shows me like, you know, maybe this isn't the right business for you. <laughs> right. Because all these things go into play that I can't even tell you. Like if I were to sit down and start writing all my expenses, I can't even enumerate all my expenses. Because there's always things that go wrong. Oh, the light on the trailer went off and... You know, or this tire is like wearing irregularly or now we need new shocks and all those type of things are very, very hard to account for. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's also like, you know, ridiculous to think that you can tell somebody, well, my truck makes this much money. And, you know, in this business, people tend to over exaggerate too, like how much you're actually making. Because, you know, one thing that I always learned ever since I was a child is the uh, truck drivers always got like a stack of money in their pocket right and you know whether they're the owner or whether they're the the driver they always got money in their pocket but you have to account for how much taxes they're gonna pay at the end of the year it doesn't mean just because you're making the money just because you're seeing the revenue come right. in that yes, you'll take yeah that's your yeah. you know so you always got to account for all those things it's very hard to say well, this this truck I wanted to make me five thousand per week or right. this much per week. So, 
I won't even like put out a number, even right. even though you know you ask me a very direct question and I'm giving <laughs> no, you a very direct you, answer. It's that not makes like, sense. It makes sense. It makes you know anybody that tells you this truck is gonna make like, this yeah. much money is lying right. because there's just all kinds of things that are unaccounted for. Maybe when we're 20 years down the line, 15 years down the line, and you have the robot truck and you know exactly <laughs> what's gonna happen, right. maybe you'll be able to say that. But for now, it's like. Totally unexpected. All right. kinds of things can happen. Right. So, yes. that's my answer. So let's say, all right, someone has their first truck. Things are going good, and now they're thinking about expanding. Mm. How would you say? When would you say it's the right time to expand, and how would you go about it? Okay, so that goes back a little bit into the point of whether you're an individual, like just running one truck and doing things on your own as a DBA and you're the driver, owner, operator, or whether you see yourself as a corporation, right? And so I get this question a lot as well because some people, they don't want to deal with the headache of expanding. They just want, they're comfortable in their, you know, whatever they're doing. They're happy, um, so I wouldn't recommend, if you're an owner-operator and you're happy running your one truck and that's how you feel comfortable, then by all means, just keep doing that. But if you're thinking about owning a fleet or having you know hundreds or thousands of trucks, then you gotta start thinking of how you can protect those assets. Now, in order for you to think about expansion, I always think about securing the bag first. Mm -hmm. Do you have the work available mm -hmm. that is going to, you know, warrant for you to go and buy more trucks? Right. What good? Right now, I can tell you, like, without exaggerating, I can go out and pull ten trucks out of the dealership. But what am I going to do if they're just parked there? They're just sitting there. Mm -hmm. Again, we have a driver shortage. It's not easy right now. One of my six trucks is just sitting there. It's been sitting there for two months making me zero money, costing me money, because I can't find a good driver to put in there. So that's always the, the you know, it's about um, sustainability. If I have something that um, needs to move, if I have a contract that that is asking me, sometimes the clients themselves will say, hey, we like the job that you're doing, we uh, trust your company, send us more trucks. Then you can begin about you can begin to think about expanding, about you know really growing your business once you understand what you're doing, once you're comfortable. So it's all about the level of comfort of the owner or the owners of the company, to um, and the work available. You can't go and take. It's like you can't bite off more than you can chew. That's what I always tell people as well. It's like what good is it gonna do if you go pull out another truck? you don't have the work secured. Right. To me, that's the main thing that I always look out for is, do I have the income, the projected income in place to help me go and pull out another truck? Because once you pull out the truck from the dealership, those payments start. You're paying every single month, and as long as you got it, you know, um, it's always gonna keep going. And they don't care if you they don't care if you're running the truck or not, those payments have to be made. Yeah. Whether it's uh, the financing of the truck, the insurance, all those things come into the plates, right? You gotta keep paying it. And it's not something that you should, you know, jump into just because you can pull it out. It's not something that you can, um, you know, just like not account for. 
Now, on the other hand, if you are a corporation, one of the best things about that is that you can leverage your business credit to so much more. It's just like, um, you know, like in trading stocks, you can have options. It's the same thing. Somebody, if you got one truck that's like, let's say worth $70,000 or $50,000, you can leverage that into 10 times that amount and go and pull out 10 times the equipment. And you can go and do that with one dealership, go do that in another dealership, at another dealership, because they're saying, this is your, you know, your um, collateral. If uh, everything fails, we're going after you, all the assets, but, you know, these dealerships are in the business of financing the equipment, getting it out their doors as much as possible. But people fall into that trap, you know, where it's like, just because I can go pull out the truck doesn't mean that I should. Mm, yeah. So would you say find a driver before getting a truck? I mean, I think learn how to drive a truck before you even pull out the truck. Because if you're, if you're driving, I mean, I talked to Xavier last time when we talked about this. It's, we had a truck in Arizona that was just sitting there. I had to personally go and retrieve the truck. If you don't have that, then you're always depending on somebody else. And if you don't have control over every part of your business, then it's bound to be a disaster. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would say... If, you know, not everybody, of course, has to learn how to drive a truck, but yeah, have a driver, have a mechanic that can help you. Um, let's say, especially if you're going to get a used truck, not everybody can get a brand new truck, but if you're going to get a used truck, make friends with a mechanic that you can pay mm -hmm. for their day, go with you to the dealership or the auction and say, and, and have them tell you straight up if what's going on with this truck. If it's something that it's, if you know it has flaws or it has mechanical problems that are gonna be costly, don't even get into it. So that's what I would suggest is like, as much as possible, yes, you wanna have drivers obviously lined up. It's not the easiest thing, but um, that's what I would say. It's like, while you're starting your company, first of all, build your company's business credit and credit profile. Second is start to recruit more drivers than trucks that you have. You know, it's like for me, I have six trucks. Let's say I need, I should have 12 drivers ready to go on call, double the amount of drivers. Because if one driver goes out, then that means that truck is going to be sitting there. So we're always looking to recruit more personnel than you have assets available for them to move. You know, and also, I mean, mechanics are are essential because if you personally don't know much about engines or about trucks themselves or about you know what could go wrong then it's um it's going to be very very costly if you buy the wrong piece of equipment that has all kinds of mechanical flaws then you know what it, it's it just turns up into more money that you got to pay more problems and you know so to me, it's always like, know what you're getting yourself into before you make these decisions. Okay. And something my uh, partner, Ahmad, wanted me to ask you, and shout out to him is, and shout out to Josh and Reggie too, they, he wanted me to ask is, if if you need a new tire or one of your tires get fucked up on the road or whatever, how much does it cost to get a new tire? 
Okay, so the, que- the answer to that is like, you want to always do preventative maintenance. Okay. It's a lot of times, you know, people run their equipment until the wheels fall off, like they say, right? <laughs> so if you do that, then it's super costly. It's going to cost you double or triple the amount once you're out on the road to repair it. Now, these things can happen. Um, <clears throat> so you always want to prevent. Before it happens, you always want to prevent. Um, <clears throat> one tire can, you know, if it's the, if it's the steering tire, it can cost you up to a thousand bucks to replace the two, <laughs> tire. <clears throat> the two tires in the front can be like a thousand each, you know, between 700 and a thousand plus the cost of labor. Plus, That's per tire. Yeah. <laughs> the trailer tires are a little bit, you know, cheaper mm-hmm. and, the. The um, so anyway, that's kind of like you know, always prevent before you have to like, and things can go wrong again. Always going wrong, right? Things are always going wrong. But if it's a steering tire, those are the two main tires on the um, tractor. Those are costlier than the trailer tires. But if you can prevent the cost of doing that before they go out, if you're constantly checking to make sure. And that's one thing that the drivers are responsible for as well. It's to make sure that before they go out, they have a 15-minute period where they should inspect, make sure everything goes, goes well, or make sure that everything is in good shape for them to actually take off on that trip. A lot of drivers don't even care. They'll just keep going and they'll ride it. But that's another thing, key thing that you want to look out for in the driver is if they care about your company, they care about the equipment because they know that that piece of equipment helps them feed their families right. as well as helps keep the company running. You know, right in this business, the, the margins, the profit margins are thin. It's not like we're making so much money, right? You always got to, you know, keep in mind that it's a team. It's teamwork. Your driver is the first line of defense against anything going wrong because they're the ones that are driving the equipment. So if your driver doesn't care what the condition of the equipment is, you think they're going to care about you or, you know, the state of your family or anything like that? No, they won't. So you always want to prevent before you have to, like, put up with these costs on the road. But I can tell you safely that if something goes wrong out on the road, it's going to cost you double or triple the amount to replace it versus doing it from your home base. Yeah. And uh, another question I had is, as far as contracts, I don't, I don't think we went over this part yet. So somebody got a truck, how do they get these contracts with these businesses so they can get their truck out there? Okay, so, um, you know, one thing that people do is, like, they lease on to another company, right? So you got your truck, you got your authority, you got your own insurance and everything. Um, so you lease on to a company, now, the problem with that is that they are the ones that are controlling your income. They're not looking for your company to maximize their profits. They're also looking out for themselves. So they're trying to pay you just enough to where you can keep going and keep doing the work for them. But they're not thinking like you as a business owner, how can I get you the most money? Right. So um now if you're completely independent you're getting out you're out there securing your own contracts the best way is for you to start um 
you know, one thing is the load boards. The load boards is like the free-for-all spot market. So you go on there and um, you pay a subscription fee per month. And then you start to see what work is available out there, right? Mm -hmm. And then you start to work with the people that are paying you decent money. And then, but you don't get married to them. You sort of just do the work for them. In this business, there's no like long-term contracts. Even if it's a long-term contract, let's say something goes wrong with your truck. Well, guess what? They still got to move the stuff. So somebody else is going to step in and do the work. So you try to look for those relationships where there's loyalty, where, where you feel comfortable with them, where they're paying you quickly, right, and on time, and also where you feel like they're paying you enough money for you to keep operating. So that's always like, it's always a good idea to know, to know what your expectations are as a business and how much money you need to charge to keep your company running. That's a big mistake that people make. They don't even know how much they're going to be able to keep. They just... In this business, unfortunately, a lot of people work with this factor of desperation. And it's like one thing that we were talking about before the podcast was like, if you don't know where you stand and what your expectations are, then you're more likely to get taken advantage of or you're more likely to go bust because you don't understand what those minimum expectations that you have are going to be. So um, another thing is that as far as the contracts go, you always want to be able to present yourself in a way that you're high value, right? You're carrying things that are higher value that are going to pay off more than, you know, commodities that are cheap that anybody's going to haul or that it's like sucks to say, but it's like when you pull up to the Home Depot, it's like somebody will say, oh, I'll do it for five bucks an hour. I'll do it for three bucks. And then, you know, they just end up like lowballing themselves. Right. So you don't want to be in that same category. You want to know what your expectations are so that you can be able to demand those things. And if they need the stuff move bad enough, then they're going to go with you because they know that you also can guarantee a level of service that these other people are not going to be able to guarantee. So it's always about that. It's like how you present yourself and also how much confidence you have in your own equipment because you took care of it, you did the preventive maintenance on it, and you understand that your staff can finish the job, complete the mission. If you can do that, you have a lot more confidence in going out and negotiating these contracts versus somebody who is like, please give me a chance, right, to move your shit. That's it. That's what it breaks down to. Wow. Man, you're dropping a lot of gems. And something something else I want to ask is, I know uh, a lot of people right now that get a truck, they try try to, like, do business with Amazon. Yeah. We spoke on this before. Just just give uh, insight on that, working as far as, like, working with Amazon. Yeah, so one thing, you know, is that Amazon is is a company that's, uh, you know, a giant company that is, definitely taking over many different the world um, <laughs> taking over the world but you know at the end of the day like my my own experience working with them is that because they're the type of company that they are they don't understand what you have to go through as a trucking company to fulfill the job for them it's all about how can we get this to be the cheapest possible for us so that we can cut our transportation cost? Mm-hmm. So I avoid working with people like that because at the end of the day, 
it's like once you put all your eggs in one basket, that's another thing, right? Put, don't put all your eggs in one basket because the moment that you do that, they can cut you, cut the rate, and then they're going to keep cutting the rate. And then, hey, if you're not happy with it, guess what? Hmm. Move out. We're going to bring somebody else in who's going to be able to operate at these margins. So don't put all your eggs in one basket. Don't always depend on one client only. And that's like, unfortunately, one of the things that when we see um, every single day, it's like, you're the owner operator. We think, you know, normal people think it's about loyalty, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, I have loyalty to this business, so I'm going to keep working with them. So guess what? If that person is like, it's like being in an abusive relationship. (laughs) Just because you have loyalty doesn't mean that you're going to get treated well, right? And so these people don't really care as much uh, about your business as you do. So... That's my and, and again, I think that ultimately um, Amazon is a company that looks at automation, that looks at making everything about dollars and cents, right? So if um, if they if it was up to them, all their all their shipments would be carried in robot trucks, right? Automatic <laughs> automated trucks, so that they don't have to deal with all these other elements, which is like the human error things that could happen. And one of the main things that I see with Amazon is that. All right, so another, uh, huh? <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it, yeah. But another question I got is, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I don't think I asked this when I said, did I ask how do you look for drivers? I asked that. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I don't remember asking that. You did. <laughs> did. We discussed. Yeah, it. you did, bro. I did. Uh, my bad. I'm tripping, man. Did, did y'all, did y'all have anything else? Uh, uh so right I mean, wrapping up question. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. All right. Well, you said you got six trucks and it seems like, you know, everything's going pretty well for you. The long-term vision for you, like, what does that look like with your trucking company? So right now, I'm actually in the process of um, looking at all the automated truck companies that are mm-hmm. coming out. Because I understand that just because you made a robot, you know, truck, right? I call them robot trucks because that's what <laughs> yeah. the drivers call them. It's like, so I'm looking at this long-term, right? Longevity of my business. I... Primary, it's not even trucking, it's logistics. So I have partnerships with warehousing companies because all these services that are related to the trucking industry, ultimately, if I make partnerships, they end up saving me money and then also helps me look ahead towards the future. So right now I'm in the process of looking at all these companies that are um, like Tesla, um, <clears throat> there's... Um, I mean, the names escape me right now, but there's these different trucking companies that are looking to go fully automated. So I'm looking at those companies and seeing which of these are the industry leaders so that I myself can raise capital to go and purchase these trucks. Just because, you know, um, these trucks will eventually replace drivers behind the wheel doesn't mean it's going to happen overnight, but I'm already looking ahead to see which are the industry leaders so that my own company can be at the forefront of those movements. Mm -hmm. So to be able to purchase, like I have a dream of having, you know, an automated fleet one day, not because I don't care about my drivers, but because I know that that's where things are going. So it would be foolish for me to fight against that. I'm going with the industry trends to be able to say, well, you know, if it's going to be automated trucks, I want to be able to have the best trucks possible out on the road and partner up with those companies so that I can go and, you know, 
and purchase that equipment. Right now, there's like a couple of companies that are letting you do pre-orders on those, but it's also like not not just because they're available, you can just like run them. It all has to do with also the legislation, right? So I look always towards that, like what are the rules, the regulations, what is the government saying about these things, right? Mm -hmm. And and again, I feel like it's going to be a little bit of a, of a time period before we see fully automated trucks out on the road because every time that something goes wrong with these automated cars, it's a setback for the industry. Yeah. So these things have to be as foolproof as possible in order for, for us to actually see them out on the road. Um, only a few states right now are actually allowing even testing of these trucks out on the road. So... That's what we always look towards is how can we be industry leaders, not just like, you know, go on the day-to-day operations mm-hmm. of what we do. We always try to look towards the future. And so I totally feel like as soon as these things are ready to go, I'll be in a good position to go and have an automated fleet. Mm-hmm. Again, it's not because I hate humans or because I don't <laughs> trust drivers, but if that's where the industry is going, if that's the future, I would be uh, done to, yeah, I would be a fool to, like, get stuck in, in the past. Stone age. Yeah. And, and, uh, y'all got, any, you got anything else you want to ask? Uh, I got nothing right now. What about you? That was all. Well, yeah, man, you dropped, you dropped, <laughs> you dropped a lot, a lot again. I think this is going to be helpful to a lot, a lot of people. But, but before we wrap up, for the people who want to get in touch with you, they want to find more information, they want to get on a call with you, how can they reach you and get in contact with you? So right now, the best way to get in touch with me is through my email. My email is real easy to remember. It's trucking at USA.com. Yeah, it's easy. And, you know, um, any kind of questions that you may have, I'll tell you the real deal because, I mean, I've gone through, I've taken my bumps along the road, and it's not something that... Um, I necessarily do for profit as far as, you know, giving people knowledge and education about the industry. But I also don't want people to fall into these traps of like being sold the dream of you're going to make easy money and you're going to be, you know, it's all good because, I mean, as a business owner in this industry for many, many years, I already dealt with a lot of the problems and I've already dealt with um, situations that I had no control over. So I want to be able to... um, bring people on board and help people get started in the industry. It is a very rewarding and satisfying industry because at the end of the day, you always, you know, you get an inside knowledge of how the economy actually works, right? Many people go to the store, they don't even know where the food comes from. And that's, you know, one, they don't even know where their clothing comes from. They don't know how things happen. And so that's one of the things that, you know, me personally being you know totally fascinated with this idea of commerce it gives me like an inner sort of you know knowledge of knowing how the whole economy is actually moving so to me uh this whole logistics and transportation industries are are something that is you know here to stay and um i always love the opportunity as xavier will tell you to uh to help people get started and to know what the potential pitfalls, but also the, the rewards can be. So get in touch with me, trucking at USA.com, and I'll be more than happy to help you with any questions that you may have. 
Definitely, definitely, man. We uh, we appreciate so, you coming through, chopping up, chopping it up with us, man. That's that's love for real. We definitely appreciate it. And uh, Z- before we let before we get off, Zach, uh, let the people know where they could. This is my this is my brother. He can let Zim. He can let let the people know where they could show, show get in touch with you. Yeah. AKA the intro guy. Yeah, the intro guy. Yeah. That you love so much. Yeah, there you go. Intro. Yeah, oh, people. Yeah, people ask me all the time. Hey, like, a lot of people. Hey, man, I myself personally, I'll tell you, I love the intro. And, <laughs> hey, it's hot, it, bro. It's hot. Bro. I see people on Twitter be saying that. I appreciate it for real. But uh, <laughs> you can tap in with me. Twitter, Z I M underscore Mill M I L L. Instagram, Z I M dot Mill. Yeah. Same thing, just a little variance. But uh, for sure, that's where you can reach me at. Find me at. Oh, when, the, when the when the next project coming up? Next project. Where I actually, actually, bro. I got uh, the next two months. I'm gonna have some music coming out. I'm gonna keep it simple. All right, man. I'm gonna keep, keep it simple for the that. next two months. That's two months. We gonna look out. It's gonna be hot. You already <laughs> know. You already know. You, you already know. know. And then closing for the people who don't know, y'all know y'all can find me or follow me on Instagram, Twitter at Xavier C Miller, Snapchat Xavier Miller three one two. That's pretty much it. Deanna, she's gonna give you our information as well. And you can find me on Instagram at Deanna Kent, Twitter Deanna S Kent. Um, if you haven't already subscribed to the Millionaire Mindset's daily tech subscription, you could do so by texting at <laughs> M Mindset to eight one zero one zero. Again, that's the at sign M Mindset to eight one zero one zero. If you've not subscribed already, you're missing out. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And that's that's pretty much all we got for y'all. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. See y'all next episode. Peace. All the way. The big check. You ain't know I'm up next when I'm on the way. You ain't take risks cause you too afraid. I'ma just eat till I'm overweight. On the way. Oh, a lot of shit on the way. On the way.